I've got a mathematical equation for you. Are you ready? Okay, that, no, okay. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Nobody wants to do math. I understand, but, but all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, your, put your brain to the test here, okay? I'll give you two options. You gotta choose an option. First option, I give you a dollar a week for 52 weeks, okay? Some of you are calculating how much you'd have at the end of the year. Okay, option number one, I give you a dollar a week for 52 weeks, or I give you a penny the first week, but I double the amount every week thereafter. <laughs> Wait a minute, how do y'all do math that quickly? We've got some geniuses with us today. A dollar a week for 52 weeks or a penny the first week, but I double it each subsequent week. That's right, you would want the second option because over the course of 52 weeks, are you ready for this? You would have 22,517,998,136,852. Now you could probably live on that for a while. Now the first option to some may seem more attractive. Like, no, I'd rather have a dollar a week than a penny that's compounded over the course of 52 weeks. But no, actually, when you take a penny and you double it, let's just say every day for a month, at the end of the month, you would have $10 million. If you take a penny a week and you double it every week, after 31 weeks, you've got 10 million. By the time you get to 52, you have 22 trillion. That is the exponential power of multiplication, right? If I simply add a dollar a week, it, it's not going to keep pace with multiplying a penny a week. You see, addition never keeps pace with multiplication. And I'm not even very good at math. And I can figure that out, you can too. We're in a teaching series called The Movement and we've been looking at the unstoppable movement of the church, a movement that is 2000 years old. And we've seen that it's a missional movement. We, we've seen that it's a messianic movement. We've seen that it's a miraculous movement. And today, as we wrap up this teaching series, I wanna remind us that this movement is a multiplying movement. You see, the movement of the church is a multiplying movement. And here's what we've seen for 2,000 years. We haven't seen addition. We haven't seen like one church in one place just trying to add to, you know, its number of converts and add to its membership kind of thing. No, no, no. We have seen exponential growth, multiplying growth. We've seen Thousands brought to salvation in Jerusalem. And we've seen those thousands scattered out into Judea and Samaria and as far as Damascus. And each one of those thousands sharing their testimonies and sharing their faith with others within their, their circle of influence. And those circles, many of them are brought to salvation. And then they begin to share their testimony. They begin to witness. They begin to talk about their faith. They begin to talk about their hope in Jesus. And then, and then they begin to bring people in 
into the kingdom, into the church. And you see, it's a multiplying effect where literally in a relatively short period of time, you went from the birth of the church to the explosive growth of the church through the power of multiplication. Exponential growth. In fact, it's growth that has led us to this day and this time in human history. You know, even the ministry of Bell Shoals is connected to this exponential multiplication. You and I literally are here today. You're watching online today because of this exponential multiplying growth that is unstoppable. You see, the the movement of the church is a multiplying movement and it's multiplied through the power of the gospel as it's shared, as it's proclaimed, and as it takes root in the hearts and lives of people around the world. Listen, I, I wanna encourage you today that you are a part and can be a part of a multiplying movement, the likes of which the world has never seen. And this multiplying movement is all rooted in the message of the gospel, the simple truth of good news. That's what gospel means. The good news that Jesus came to save sinners, that God through his grace and mercy, sent his son into the world to die for our sin, to be resurrected to life and to secure eternal life for all who believe. That's good news. And that good news has changed and is changing lives at an exponential rate, a multiplying effect that has and is changing the world. And as we wrap up our teaching series today, I wanna invite you to take your copy of God's word and turn me to the very last chapter of Acts, the book of Acts that's found there just toward the beginning of the New Testament. And I want us to go to the very end here, actually the last part of what's recorded for us in this, in this movement and in, in, in the growth of the church through a, a ministry of a man that we looked at last week who was originally called Saul, named after one of the kings of Israel, but was miraculously saved and who became the chief missionary of the movement. This guy who at one point in time in his life, if you remember, was persecuting the church. He was persecuting this movement. He was presiding over the deaths of of Christians and, and he was radically brought to salvation through Jesus Christ and then he began to become the chief missionary. This guy named Paul invested his life in this cause of, of, of the gospel and he began missionary journeys. He started churches all across Asia Minor. He became a, an, an apostle to the Gentile people and, and we find him now in Rome a city he longed to get to, but that he got to literally in chains as as a Jewish prisoner and one who was brought to trial under Roman rule. And, And as Paul is there in Rome, he had an opportunity to provide a defense for his faith. I wanna show you what happens here, beginning in verse 17. Look at the context here. Now, three days after Paul's arrival in the city, he called together the local Jewish leaders and he said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. And the Romans tried me and they wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death penalty, the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. Remember, this guy named Paul had both 
Jewish citizenship and Roman citizenship. So he appealed to Caesar as these charges were levied against him. He says, I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. It's a messianic movement. He says, I I believe the Messiah has come. (laughs) We, We don't have to look forward for the Messiah anymore as the Jewish people did for many years. He said, no, the Messiah has come. Check this out. They said in response to this, well, we've had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we do wanna hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. The only thing we we Jewish leaders know is that this movement is terrible and and it's one that's to be refuted. It's denounced everywhere. So look at what happens next, verse 23. So a time was set and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and he tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures and using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets. He spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things that he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. For they have closed their eyes and their their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So Paul says, I want you to know that this salvation from God has been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. And then you have these concluding words. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one could stop him. (laughs) Now there are a few aspects of this Movement, this multiplying movement that stand out to us this morning that I wanna highlight for you. It's, it's related to this movement connected to the message of the gospel. First of all, can I remind you that this movement that's rooted in the message of the gospel is controversial. The message of the gospel is controversial. It always has been, it always will be. It's controversial. Listen, the, the Jewish leaders here are, are honest with Paul. They're, they're, they're like, hey, listen, man, we don't know much about you. We don't have any letters that have, that have come to us to warn us about your presence here in Rome. But we know this, this message you're proclaiming to us that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, this message you're proclaiming to us that the Messiah has come, that message we are well acquainted with and it is denounced everywhere. We don't buy it. We don't believe it. You see, the message of the gospel has always been and will always be controversial. Not everyone will accept it. You see, Paul then spent considerable time with them. Did you notice he's teaching from morning until evening? Now that's the kind of preaching I could get excited about. (laughs) 
wouldn't have to be limited to a certain worship service. No, I mean, Paul, listen, he's spending from morning until evening, he's walking them through. What is he doing? He, he's, he's, he's going through the Old Testament. That was their Bible. He, he's, he's saying, listen, in, in, in Genesis, in Isaiah, in the song, he, he's, he's walking through and he's saying, listen, let, let me provide specific evidence as to how Jesus came and proved to be the Messiah. As I've told you before, Christianity is a historical system of belief. It's rooted in human history. It's not mythology. It's, it, 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 it's not fable. No, listen, Christianity is unique in that it's rooted in human history. It's verifiable. And what you have with the apostle Paul here is he's, he's walking these Jewish leaders through the Old Testament. He's saying, you, you, you see here how Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem? Do you see here how he's gonna come out of Nazareth? Do you see here how he's gonna suffer? And he's, he's going through and he's showing them, look how Jesus has fulfilled all of these messianic prophecies. And what happened next? Well, he was rejected by many. Well, listen, notice the breakdown here. And let me just share this with you quickly. This is true for us even today. When we have a gospel witness, let me tell you something. One of three things is gonna happen. Number one, you're gonna find that some will reject. That's what happened here with Paul. Many rejected. They did not believe the scriptures said. Many of them rejected him outright. It reminds me of when Paul was in Athens. This was on one of his missionary journeys. And he went before, at this point in time, a Gentile audience, a non-Jewish audience. And he was sharing. Guess what? He got the same type of response. Look at this. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Now, what happens? Some rejected. You know what happens when you share the gospel? You know what happens when you share your testimony? You know what happens when you share your faith? Some will reject. Secondly, some will reconsider. Some will reconsider. There, there were some who said, you know, we'd like to hear more about this. We'd like to learn more about this. That happened in Athens. That's happening here in Rome. Some reject outright. Some reconsider. It's like, you know, we'd like to hear more about it and talk further. And then third, here's the beautiful thing. Some will respond. Some believe. Now, unless we're willing to go through rejection and reconsideration, we will never get to the response. Let me tell you something. If you've ever shared your faith and you've had even one person respond to the message of the gospel through your witness and your testimony, you know it makes all the rejection and all the reconsideration worth it. Listen. If the Apostle Paul, with all of his training, all of his life experience, with his miraculous conversion, listen, if he experienced rejection and reconsideration when he shared his faith, how about you and me? <laughs> it's gonna happen. I promise you, as you're faithful to share your story with others, some will reject, some will reconsider, but some will respond. This was true of Paul. Why? Because the gospel has always been controversial. 
not everyone is immediately prone to accept it. Not everyone is immediately receptive to the point that they will accept it. Listen to me, the gospel has been controversial. It is controversial. And I have no doubt that in the years to come in our nation, a strong and firm witness for the gospel, the word and the will of God will result in more controversy. And so we have to take heart. We need to be encouraged that this movement is a multiplying movement, even as the gospel that we proclaim is controversial. I'm drawn to 2 Corinthians 4. This was written by Paul, who knew something about rejection and hardship and controversy. You remember you know what he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4? Let me show this to you. He said, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. That's the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. They reject that Jesus is the Messiah. They're blinded to the truth. They don't see the beauty of God and of his salvation in Jesus. But notice what he says next, beginning in verse eight of 2 Corinthians four. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be seen in our bodies. Hey, not everybody's gonna accept. Many will reject. Many are blinded by the God of this age. He's like, but we press on knowing that despite the trouble and the despair and and at times the fact that we're knocked down, he says, we are not destroyed. We are not prone to despair. We are not crushed because we will through our, even through our hardship and suffering through the rejection of others, we will show the life of Jesus through our bodies, our testimonies. The gospel is controversial. And listen to me, it will be increasingly controversial in our culture, especially with the agenda of many in political leadership. Already, over the past few weeks, there is significant pressure on Christian churches and universities to adopt agendas that are contrary to the will and the word of God. It's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. Already, we are seeing big tech, limit the influence of Christians, churches, individuals, and organizations. Censorship that comes as a result of a controversial gospel. In the state that I moved from a year ago, the state of Kentucky, just this past week, the governor issued a request that churches not meet, but you know who can gather in the state of Kentucky? adult entertainment clubs, and gambling locations. I stand with many friends in ministry who are opening their doors today in the Commonwealth of Kentucky saying, worship is a greater privilege and need than gambling and adult entertainment. And I applaud them for opening their doors today in worship. Listen, we have got as a people to understand two things. Number one, the message of the gospel has always been and will always be controversial. Don't think you can share your faith without getting one of three responses. Some will reject, some will reconsider, but some will respond. 
And in the rejection and the reconsideration of our day and our time, the second thing I would remind us of is that we must cling to the hope of this gospel without apology and without compromise. We must rally around this word and this hope. We must unite together over these main things related to the word and the will of God and never allow secondary or third tier things to divide us. We are not in a cultural situation where we can afford any longer to be divided over trivial matters. We have to unite around the unchanging power of the gospel that is the only hope for mankind. That's what we have to do. The gospel has always been controversial. Some will reject, some will reconsider, but some will respond. Notice Paul, as a part of this multiplying movement, is proclaiming this gospel message that not everyone was ready to receive. But notice that did not discourage him from sharing it because not only is the message of the gospel controversial, listen to me, it's also impartial. <laughs> you, you, you know what's so amazing about the grace of God? He offers the same grace to all people, no matter how deserving they appear to be or not to be on the surface. And I love here, Paul here, after, after he's soundly rejected by many of these Jewish people, he gives a word for, from Isaiah and he says, well, listen, the, the Lord was right that he's gonna first go to his own people. He's gonna go to the Jewish people, but many of them are gonna reject. Isaiah prophesied about this. Paul says, listen, this is a word fulfilled. And so he says, I want you to look again at verse 28. He says, so I want you to know then that this salvation from God has been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. In other words, he says, this message of the gospel is not just for the Jewish people, it is for all people and it's for the Gentile people. And he says, whereas the majority of the Jewish people have rejected it, we will find many among the Gentile world and population who will accept it. And Paul says, I will keep preaching the gospel. Why? Because it's not only controversial, it's also impartial. Anyone and everyone who looks to Jesus for hope and healing will receive it by his grace and his mercy. That's the hope of the gospel. This is impartial gospel. Therefore, we don't limit our witness or our ministry. We don't write people off as unsavable. Listen, we just talked last week about the miraculous saving power of God in the apostle Paul's life. Listen to him in his message. In essence, he is saying, if God can save me, he can save anyone. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm going first, just as Jesus told us to do in, in, in our mission. I'm going first to the, to the Jewish people, but, but, but through their rejection, I'm now going to the Gentiles as well. He say, I, I'm going to the nations with this word of hope because it's an impartial word. God will save anyone and everyone that looks to him for salvation. And the movement of Christianity has multiplied because of this truth. Think about this. Every religion, with the exception of Christianity, is closed geographically to the population centers in which they were founded. Let me give you an example. 96% of Muslims live in the Middle East or Africa. 88% of Buddhists live in East Asia. 98% of Hindus live in India or East Asia. Christianity is truly the only worldwide religion. 
because of its impartiality. 25% of professing believers are in Central and South America. 22% are in Africa. 20% are in Europe. 15% in Asia, 12% North America. Listen to me, the gospel is literally all around the world multiplying because the power of the gospel through our merciful God is given to anyone and everyone who will receive it. This is the multiplying power of the gospel. It started in Jerusalem. Did it stay in Jerusalem? Of course it did. Of course it's in Jerusalem. But it did not only stay in Jerusalem. It was multiplied out to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And now what do we see? 2,000 years later, we see Christians all over the world boldly proclaiming and testifying to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. May I remind you, this has always been God's plan. When he went to this guy named Abram and he called him to leave his homeland and his family, what did God say to him? He said, through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. When he sent the prophet Jonah out on a mission trip, where did he send them? He sent him to the most ruthless enemies of Israel to the Ninevites, and he told them to go preach a message of repentance. What did he say in the Psalms? He says, let the nations be glad and rejoice. Our God has always had a heart for all peoples. He's always had a heart for the nations because our gospel is not only controversial, it is impartial and it is a gospel for all peoples. And then finally, listen to me very carefully. It is a gospel that is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. And so when you look at our ministry as a church, what do you find? You find a gracious, loving, merciful people who are boldly proclaiming a controversial gospel, but an impartial gospel and a gospel that is truly unstoppable. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we do everything we can to get this gospel to the nations. It's unstoppable. Listen, the the Jews in Jerusalem tried to stop the gospel from spreading. At one point in time, this guy named Paul was a part of it, remember? That didn't work. So it began to spread around Judea, Samaria, as far as Damascus, and and they tried to stop it there. God changed Paul's life on the road to Damascus. And and then this multiplying impact began to spread all over the first century world. It spilled over into Rome, and from Rome, literally, it went to the entire world. And the very last verses in in the book of Acts here, the very last verses of this history are so very important and strategic. Listen, it says that Paul lived in Rome two years. Much of that he was under house arrest, but he lived there and he welcomed all who would come visit him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you, literally, a literal, this this is the Corey Abney translation, okay, of the very last verse of the book of Acts. Listen to me, this is literally what it says. It says that Paul was preaching and teaching with all openness. And the very last word in this book is unhindered. That's not an accident. How does this story end with this guy named Paul bound in chains, but people coming to him every single day. He's preaching, he's teaching the kingdom of God. And, And literally here's what it says, with all openness, unhindered. Why? Because we have an unhindered unstoppable gospel. And that's exactly how the book ends. It ends really with the beginning of how this gospel continues to flourish even through 
the suffering of God's people and literally from Rome, it has led to where we sit today. You see, in 42 AD, Mark, another disciple, went to Egypt. I mentioned Paul's missionary journeys in Turkey in 49. In 51, he was in Greece. In 52, the apostle Thomas went to India. In 54, Paul went on his third missionary journey, and it was the year 60 that that he was located here in Rome. And he shared with all openness, unhindered. And God multiplied the power of the gospel. By 174, the first Christians are reported in Austria. By 280 AD, there's the first written knowledge of rural churches emerging in Northern Italy. Let me tell you why that's such a big deal. Because for the first early years of Christianity, it was a largely urban religion. Paul went to cities and and, and, and high population centers to preach the gospel because from those population centers, it would spread. And sure enough, we find evidence before the year 200 AD that there are Christians now spreading into rural areas. The word pagan basically means someone who's outside of the city. And we see Christianity spreading outside the city. Rural churches popping up. By 350 AD, 31 million people claim Christ as Lord. That's roughly 53% of the Roman Empire. In 432, Patrick went to Ireland. In 596, Gregory the Great sends Augustine and a team of missionaries to what is now England to reintroduce them to the gospel. The missionaries settle in Canterbury and baptize 10,000 people in the first two years. In 635 AD, the first Christian missionaries arrive in China. In 740, Irish monks reach Iceland. Iceland. In 900, missionaries reach Norway. By 1200, the Bible is available in 22 different languages. In 1498, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In 1554, there are 1,500 converts to Christ in what is now known as Thailand. In 1630, there's an attempt made in El Paso, Texas to establish a mission among the Mason Indians. In 1743, David Brainerd starts a ministry and a mission for American Indians. And in 19 1961, a group of people met under an oak tree at Overhill and Bell Shoals Road and started Bell Shoals Baptist Church. And here we are. 2,000 years nearly after Paul wrote these words of the New Testament, these letters found in the New Testament while he sat under house arrest in Rome. And as Luke, this incredible historian, concluded his history with the simple word, unhindered. Because that's what our gospel is. It's unhindered, it's unstoppable. And it multiplies wherever it is found. And it grows and it flourishes and it changes people's lives. It's controversial, but it's impartial and it's unstoppable and it's for you. And this is what rallies us together. This is what unites us together. This unstoppable, unhindered gospel, this movement we are a part of that is missional, comes from a mission directive from Jesus himself when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. It's messianic. It's a simple proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. It's miraculous. Anyone and everyone can come to salvation through it. And it is multiplying.